They say you've made it when somebody wants to be you. And that is how my morning went. I was innocently scrolling all of my different social media accounts like I normally do every morning before I get out of bed. And I'm looking at my personal Instagram. I'm looking at my Instagram stories over there. I see a little round face bubble that viewed my Instagram story that has my face on it. And I'm like, that's not the profile picture I have in any of my Instagram accounts. So I click it and that's right. Somebody made a whole account of your girl with my own pictures and I was so creeped out. This is not how I imagined making it would go. This to me felt Taylor Swift stalker vibe adjacent. And I know I am not Taylor Swift, but honestly, I'm just little old Amy from New Jersey. Like when shit like this happens, you're just kind of like, what? What makes me so interesting? You wanted to take the time, like making, I have plenty of Instagram accounts, okay? Some of y'all don't even know half the accounts I have and I keep them all on purpose, just, you know, for good measure. It's a pain in the ass to make an Instagram account. So somebody really had to invest some time and energy into making a fake Instagram account, going to my profile, screenshotting, reading my captions, and then altering my captions. Like they took a photo of me and my dad. Now, mind you, my father hates social media. He is not on social media. He hates his photo taken. For us to get him to remotely smile in a picture, is like climbing Everest, okay? So the fact that I posted a photo of me and my father and out of all the fucking photos you could have taken, you took the one of me and my dad and you post it and you go and you write the caption, thanks for visiting dad, and you tag him as somebody he's not, my God. Now you know damn well I'm not your average person to sit here, have this happen, and just kind of like brush it off and go on with her day. That's not me. That is not me, okay? I'm sitting here psychoanalyzing the mind of the individual who took the time to do this. It's not like a fan account. It was, I'm going to replicate her stuff, not my work, because you don't have my brain or my genius, you just took photos of me personally, put them on a, an account under a name that resembled mine with a bio that looked very similar to mine, other than you basically said you went from New York to Delaware to Florida. I'm not from any of those places. Um, that gave it away. And then what else gave it away was I clicked on the contact information and I found out who the fuck you are. I have never gone from nude in bed to dressed 
with a full face of makeup to snap a selfie of myself holding my license so Instagram could remove the account. I've never gotten so dressed and put together quicker than I did this morning. So parents, if you ever need a method to get your children to wake up and get out of bed, just tell them somebody's impersonating them on social media. That will get them up really fucking fast. In other news, I saw some family relatives um, this past weekend. I haven't seen some of them in probably like three or four years. It's been so long that I genuinely forgot that they had had another kid. So when I, when I walk, mind you, this is my cousin and his wife. So I walk in, I'm saying hello to them. And they're like, we haven't seen you in a while. And I'm like, I know it's, it's been several years. And they go to introduce me to their youngest child. And I go, oh, wait, you had a whole nother kid? (laughs) That joke didn't land very well, guys. Telling anyone that you didn't know their second child even existed is more like an insult. It was funny in my head, though. She was the sweetest little thing, though. And you know when you don't know if you're properly pronouncing somebody's name or maybe you just like didn't listen very well and you completely fucking forgot what the names are well take both of those and combine them and then um ask me how I navigate a situation with two small children and family members when a I'm forgetting the name half the time or I think I may mispronounce it and I don't need the child to point out that I suck at pronouncing his name So I'm walking around talking to these two kids going nameless and just saying like your little sister, your big brother, or when I'm talking to my my cousin or his wife, I'm saying "Uh, your big one, your little one. Like you find a lot of creative ways to talk about people just to skip over the fucking name. Because kids will point that shit out to you. I was standing and playing with these two kids and, and a bunch of slinkies. I was standing in the sun. And the kid starts to point out that my feet are red. And ask me a million questions on why my feet are red. And I'm thinking, well, I could explain to this child that it's possible I have poor circulation. But then I'm going to get 50 more questions on what poor circulation actually means. So I just went... Because I'm standing in the sun. Of course, that didn't go over well because then he looked at me and he went, but why? And speaking of slinkies, everybody loves a slinky. No. No, I do not. I totally thought I could keep them occupied by teaching them how to make the slinky crawl down the steps. Slinky, slinky, everyone loves a slink. Well, of course... My uncle's steps had to be abnormally long, so the slinky did not want to climb down the steps. It just went one step and then stopped, and then one step and then stopped. So that was a major fail, too. Parents, let's chat for a second. When you bring your children around other adults, maybe 
family, extended family you haven't seen in a while, and you have certain rules that you implement with your children, you gotta make sure you inform the other adults. Case in point, I'm in the water with the kids. They've got their little floaties on. They do this all the time. I'm hanging out with them. And the littlest one, she keeps going, Amy, Amy, Amy. And her brother goes and looks at me and asks me, why is she calling you that? And I looked at him and I'm thinking, okay, like 20 minutes ago, kid, we just went over the fact that I'm Aunt Amy. We reminded you that you met me when you were a kid. So I know you know my name. I look at him dead in the eye no bullshit. And I go, because that's my name. And he goes, but why is she calling you that? And I go, because that's my name. Are we going to really have this debate right now? But why? Because that's what I was called. Later on, I find out that they're not allowed to call adults by their first name. They have to refer to them with aunt or uncle in front of the name. I get it. When I was a kid, my parents were very similar. We had to refer to everybody if if they were aunt and uncle, like close friends and family were usually aunt and uncles. But friends, parents, it had to be Mrs. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. I don't know if you grew up similar to me, but that was like a rule we had to follow. You do not call them by their first name. That's a sign of disrespect. You call them by Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. I had certain friends' parents, though, ask me to stop doing that and call me by their first name because they said, when you call me Mr. So-and-so, I turn around looking for my dead father. So that is where then... My parents would say, okay, well, if they gave you permission, you can call them by their first name, right? Nobody told Aunt Amy that she was not allowed to be called Amy. Now I've given this child a mixed message. I don't want to harm your child's psyche. Communicate. There's nothing worse than being out of the loop, misinforming a child, and then watching that child get reprimanded later, which now I fear is going to happen. They're pretty strict parents, okay? Which is now kind of the topic I want to get into real quick. There is a difference between strict and structured. I had this conversation with a friend of mine recently. We were at the beach. We were chit-chatting. We were talking about this. Strict is very different than structure, okay? And children need structure. They do not need you to be strict. Strict borderline starts to be interpreted as uh, abusive sometimes, but, but if I were to paint an Amy picture for you here, strict sounds like you can do this, you can't do this. You can do this, you can't do this. And there's no why. Like, they're not explaining anything. I was I grew up in a strict household. I was never explained why I couldn't do something, why I couldn't feel something, why I couldn't ask a question. It was just because I said so. That was always the answer. And I was the annoying motherfucker that was standing always looking at my parents going, but why? But why? But why? 
and nobody had an answer. Had I been a little bit more creative, I probably would ask that question a million other ways, but uh, that just happened to be the environment I was in. And so at a certain point, I had to just accept because they said so, even though it never made sense to me. And it's not gonna make sense to your child when your child becomes an adult. They're just going to do what you told them to do, the worst thing you could teach them. That is the quickest way to have your child not have their own identity. You are creating mini-me's. When you have that strict nature of do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. That's very black and white and we know how I feel about that, right? But when you have structure, structure is kind of a guideline, right? Like, you know, Sitting down to eat dinner at a certain time every day, that's structure. But telling them they have to eat a certain way, that's strict. Like while we were at the beach, they had a certain section that was for swimming that eventually there was a riptide in. And so they had to move everybody over and kind of like mark off that space so nobody got hurt or drowned or died, right? The lifeguards were fucking whistle happy all fucking day long and more so when the riptide started to occur because people were not watching their kids. So strict would be you screaming at your child and demanding they don't move off the blanket and not have fun at the beach. Structure would be let me guide my child to follow the guidelines of the professionals here in this case, the lifeguards and tell them that swimming in the swimming area is the safe bet. Instead, we had parents letting their children roam into the area that everybody was just moved out of, and these kids were fucking splashing around, and nobody that was in charge of them was telling them that they needed to move over, and the lifeguards, with their fucking whistles and their fucking hand signals, were going off on the fucking stands, and this is what happens when Amy gets all riled up. You get the F word every other sentence. Structure. Go to your child. Don't scream at them. Don't punish them. They don't know. You're supposed to guide them. Take them over to the proper swimming area and then let them fucking have fun. On the flip side of that, kids need you as a parent to have boundaries. They need you, like you can't sway from being either really strict to really laid back and easygoing. You gotta find a balance as parents where you give them structure and you give them unconditional love. And that's rare. I've been around a lot of people. Most of my friends have kids. A lot of my relatives, my cousins, they have young children. I personally do not have my own child, but I obviously nannied for seven and had a fur baby. Moral of the story is that I work with enough adults and enough children to know the impact that the environment you've been raised in has on your mental health and your belief system. I know the trajectory of somebody's life just by watching just a couple minutes of a parent interacting with them. I already know where this shit is headed in two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. Just because that exposure during certain ages, during your childhood experience, 
it lays the foundation for what you then believe about yourself, what you believe about others, and what you allow into your life. Your parents have to set a healthy example for you. Most don't. Most don't. Straight up, because the majority does not work to improve themselves. I'm sorry if that is devastating news to you, but that is the facts. I don't have figures and percentages and all that shit, but I'll just tell you, that's a fact. Most people do not want to do the work to better themselves. They don't consider the impact their actions have on those in their lives. They don't even think about the ripple effect it might have on their children, let alone anybody they come into contact with. This, however, is all I think about. Now, you might argue, aren't we in a day and age now, Amy, where a lot of more, a lot more people are getting more mindful and intentional in how they approach their health and their well-being? It can look that way on the surface, but just because there's way more self-help accounts on social media doesn't equate to people actually getting the help they need because a lot of people are replacing proper help with social media and then saying, no, it's okay. I follow this psychologist on Instagram. She's really great. I don't need therapy. Well, guess what? Instagram posts can only get you so far. Therapy, alternative therapies should not be a thing that you think about in terms of, I should only have to go if I have a problem. I still hear that to this day. I'm not really sure what to talk to you about, Amy. Nothing bad is happening. That right there is a red flag when I hear it come out of your mouth. You know why? Because you're missing the whole point of the environment that is the space that I provide you or the space that somebody else provides you in a therapeutic setting. It is not just for a problem. It is for your wellness. Wellness means you stay healthy. It's a lifestyle. You just keep going, right? Like, you don't just eat healthy until you lose the weight or you get the body figure you want and then you quit on all the healthy food and you go back to eating the way you were before. And then once you encounter a problem or you find that the scale is on a, at a number that you don't like, you go back to eating healthy again because that's what you guys all do when it comes to your mental and emotional health. I have the utmost respect for people who are always working to improve themselves. And I have zero respect for people who are adamant about saying they have no issues, they have no problems, they don't need to work on anything, they're good. Lately, I have zero tolerance for those types of individuals, for people who lean on all the excuses in the world for why they behave in such negative ways or blame everybody and and complain and victimize themselves. Like I've always had a low tolerance for this stuff, but lately it's like, I have absolutely nothing left in me to even listen to it. I Nothing anymore. I will just 
exit the environment, the conversation, limit my exposure to the individual. I got nothing left. And you know that I do this for a living. But the difference is, is that the people that are coming to me wanting help, they want me to point out to them that they're making an excuse. They want to find a better way versus in any environment outside of work, those people are not coming to me saying, I want your help. I want you to point these things out. So then listening to conversations with people who claim to be self-aware and are not self-aware at all, and all they're doing is complaining and making excuses and blaming everybody. Oh, Jesus, I cannot anymore. I just cannot. I, I have nothing left in me. A lot of people will always say what's missing in this world is love and understanding and compassion. I'm gonna argue different. You know what's missing in this world? Personal accountability and self-love. Because if you love yourself, then you're not gonna mistreat other people. The only people mistreating other people are people that hate themselves. That's it. The thing about growing up codependent is you get conditioned, you like how I presented that one to you, you get conditioned to have to hold other people responsible who don't want to be held responsible, who are holding you responsible and obligating you to fix their issues. So they're always playing victim. And you not only have to take accountability for your own behaviors, you also have to hold yourself responsible for their behaviors and their mistreatment and then trying to fix them because in your right mind you're thinking, I know this is not my issue, it's your issue. So there's a part of you that's like, let me try to help you fix you because you're the issue, but they're convinced they're not the issue and they're convinced you have to fix their issue through you. Isn't that a sick and twisted reality? That's why individuals who struggle with codependency have a hard time being able to discern what their responsibilities are and what their responsibilities are not. They make everybody's issues their responsibility, which is what leads to people pleasing because they see an issue, they spot it, and they try to fix it, and hold themselves accountable for fixing it when it's not their fucking issue. And they do it with the people that have conditioned them to do it, right? But they do it with everybody else who's not wanting them to do it. And then they get stuck in these cycles of fuckery where they feel neglected and abandoned and they don't have any connection to their own identity and their own needs and their own wants because everybody else's problems are theirs. Everybody else's insecurities are theirs. They're obligated to feel shitty all the fucking time, no matter how much they work on themselves, because whenever they bump into somebody who's struggling and that person takes it out on them, in their mind, their belief system, it's their responsibility they must have done something to make you act that way. And that's all because they had parents who were emotionally irresponsible. You see how I brought that full circle for you? It is my hope and dream and lifelong wish that when I speak about parenting in any context, everybody listen. Don't turn me off because you don't have kids and you don't want kids. Because that tells me 
you're a little bit naive to how things work around here. If I'm speaking about parenting, it fucking affects everybody. Because guess what? At a certain point, you had a parent or guardian too. And so when you listen to me, no matter what context I give it to you in, and we're talking about parenting, you're going to learn a lot about you. I don't care if you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 60s, your 80s. You're going to learn a lot about you and why you do what you do and why you did what you did and why you are the way you are now because it's going to help you connect the dots, especially because it's not directly related to you. If you don't have kids or you don't want kids, and I'm talking about parents that have kids, you're probably going to hear it a lot clearer. When you're in a session with me and we're talking, I am always giving personal examples to you so you can hear it because often we can't see or hear it when it's directly about us. Why? Because we're too stuck in it. We're too immune to it. We have too many excuses cycling through our brain about it. When I give it to you in an example that's of my own life, then it's not about you anymore. So it's not personalized anymore, but it's going to sound and feel awfully familiar. So you're going to hear it a lot clearer when I talk about myself. But just for those who can get a little bit defensive in talking about things like parenting, I've created a little bit of a viewer discretion warning for you. (coughs) The previous audio contains life-changing content and depicts graphic details which may be offensive to some listeners trapped in their excuses and cycles of fuckery. Viewer discretion is advised.